In Mark 3, we witness Jesus confronting religious authorities and teaching profound truths while continuing his ministry of healing and casting out demons. The chapter begins with Jesus entering the synagogue on the Sabbath where he encounters a man with a withered hand. The religious leaders watch Jesus closely, hoping to accuse him of breaking Sabbath laws by healing on that day. Jesus challenges their legalistic mindset by questioning whether it is lawful to do good or harm on the Sabbath. Despite their silent opposition, Jesus demonstrates his authority by healing the man's hand, which angers the Pharisees and leads them to conspire with the Herodians against him. My name is Jessica Hutton. You are watching the Bible Study Tutor podcast. And on this podcast, we are going through the Bible one, two, three chapters at a time so we can read the whole Bible in one year. Today, we are continuing our study of the Gospel of Mark, and we are in chapter three. The Herodians are only mentioned in Mark 3.16, Mark 12.13, and Matthew 22.16. Apparently, they were a Jewish political party that sympathized with the rulers of the Herodian dynasty, and therefore Rome. Although they and the Pharisees would ordinarily have nothing to do with each other, they formed an alliance because they both believed Jesus to be a threat. Moreover, since the religious leaders had no authority to impose the death penalty, they could only present evidence to political leaders who did have the authority to impose it. So the Pharisees and Herodians, both highly influential groups in their communities, collaborated as enemies against Jesus to build a case against him that would result in his death. You may have observed that we're only three chapters into the Gospel of Mark, and already Mark has disclosed the religious and political leaders' plot to destroy Jesus. Mark's Gospel account is known to depict Jesus as the suffering servant of God. However, if you're like me, you may struggle with the idea because everything that we've read to this point demonstrates the power and authority of Jesus Christ. The key to understanding how Jesus presents as a suffering servant in the Gospel of Mark is to simply continue reading the book. So when we approach chapter 8, we come across a turning point in the book where the story shifts from Jesus' demonstration of authority and power as the Messiah to an unexpected demonstration of his messiahship that would manifest through his suffering and death on the cross. I would argue that Mark's early presentation of the mounting opposition against Jesus helps build the case that he is indeed the suffering servant whose messianic identity is revealed paradoxically through his suffering and rejection rather than through earthly power or triumph. Hybert remarks, quote, Mark's account portrays Jesus Christ as the suffering servant of the Lord. He made it clear that the mighty ministry of Jesus soon fell under the shadow of unbelief and open hostility. He was misunderstood, attacked, and rejected by the very people he came to serve and to save because he did not fulfill their preconceived expectations concerning the Messiah. Suffering was the inevitable lot of the Messiah. The picture of Jesus' suffering and death looms large in the story. As in all of the Gospels, the cross and resurrection are central to Mark's picture of the Christ. The key to understanding Mark's portrayal of his deliberate contrast between the personal dignity of Jesus as the Son of God and the stark experiences of suffering and rejection which he voluntarily accepted. The Gospel of Mark is not a biography of Jesus, but rather a delineation of the good news of salvation made available through the suffering servant of Jehovah. The picture presented is in harmony with the declared purpose of Jesus that the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many." End quote. Now back to the Sabbath controversy. 
Jesus healing on the Sabbath demonstrates his understanding of God's law as being rooted in compassion and mercy rather than legalistic adherence to rules. By healing the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath, Jesus challenges the strict Sabbath regulations enforced by religious leaders of his time. He emphasizes that acts of kindness and restoration take precedence over rigid interpretations of the law, highlighting the true spirit of God's commandments, which prioritize love and care for others. Following this confrontation, Jesus withdraws to the sea with his disciples, attracting a great crowd from various regions. The crowd's eagerness to witness Jesus' miracles necessitates precautions to prevent them from pressing too closely. Jesus heals many and casts out demons, prompting even unclean spirits to acknowledge him as the Son of God. Despite their recognition, Jesus orders them not to make him known. Now, scholars present different theories about why Jesus silenced the demons. Many explain that Jesus instructed the demons not to reveal his identity because it was not yet the appropriate time for his messianic mission to be fully revealed. They also explain that Jesus preferred that people came to recognize his identity through his teachings, actions, and ultimately his sacrificial death and resurrection rather than through sensationalistic displays of power by unclean spirits. Others suggest that Jesus silenced the demons because they attempted to gain control over him by invoking his name. Apparently they, and the culture at the time, believed it, that if they knew Jesus' name and identity, then they could somehow usurp his authority or control him in some way. Still others say that Jesus silenced the demons because he did not want to attract larger crowds. Now I cannot say with confidence that Jesus silenced the demons for any of the reasons that I just specified. It seems to me that Mark recorded Jesus silencing the demons to demonstrate his authority over them and provide additional evidence that the kingdom of God was at hand and thus the kingdom of darkness was beginning to be eliminated. Not only did Jesus have the authority to exorcise demons, but he also had the authority to silence them. The demons had to obey Jesus, just like every other spiritual and natural thing. Jesus' exorcisms, as explained by William Lane, are part of a larger cosmic struggle between God and evil. Quote, to have allowed the defensive utterance of the demon to go unrebuked would have been to compromise the purpose for which Jesus came into the world, which was to confront Satan and strip him of his power. End quote. The narrative continues with Jesus sending out the 12 apostles, they're now called apostles in this chapter as opposed to disciples, marking a significant moment in his ministry. The chosen apostles are given authority to preach and cast out demons, symbolizing the establishment of a new community centered around Jesus' teaching and mission. The apostles were chosen to be witnesses of Jesus' teaching, miracles, death, and resurrection, and to carry forth his message of salvation into the world. Their works, which Christ enabled them to do, would validate their message, thereby reinforcing Jesus' proclamation that the kingdom of God was at hand, urging people to turn, to repent, and believe in Jesus. As Jesus returned home, the crowd continued to gather around him to the point where he and his disciples are even unable to eat. Concerned about his well-being and misunderstanding, Jesus' family seeks to intervene, believing that Jesus is out of his mind and had become mentally unbalanced religious fanatic. The fact was included in Mark's narrative to highlight the misunderstanding and the opposition that Jesus faced on all fronts 
including among his family and people who were otherwise familiar with him, as well as religious leaders. Then, to demonstrate the growing opposition Jesus faced, Mark highlights the scribe's claim that Jesus cast out demons by the power of Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Jesus refused their argument with logic, emphasizing the absurdity of Satan opposing himself. He warns against attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to demonic forces, as such an act demonstrates a willful rejection of God's truth and grace. The accusation made by the teachers of the law against Jesus was so serious that Jesus sternly rebuked them for it. He explained why their suggestion of a civil war within Satan was illogical. That he cast out demons, Jesus explains, was a sign of victory over evil, not an alliance with it. Then he issued a serious warning about the only sin that cannot be forgiven, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy involves deliberately rejecting the Spirit's testimony about Jesus, which the teachers had just done. By stubbornly distorting the truth, they closed themselves off from God's forgiveness, not because God was unwilling to forgive, because, but because they refused to accept his forgiveness. Alan Cole explains, quote, It is most important, especially in a world where he seems so powerful, that we realize that the enemy has already been defeated. Every time in Mark's gospel that Jesus drives out Satan from the life of a person and frees him or her from his power, we have another proof of that, end quote. In the final verses, Jesus redefines the concept of family by redefining familial relationships based on spiritual kinship rather than solely on biological ties. When Jesus' mothers and brothers come looking for him, someone tells him they are outside. Jesus responds by asking, who are my mother and my brothers? He then looks at those seated around him and says, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. In this passage, Jesus expands the concept of family beyond blood relations to include all those who do God's will. By emphasizing spiritual kinship based on obedience to God rather than biological relationships, Jesus redefines the boundaries of community and belonging. He forms a new community of faith where allegiance to God and adherence to his teaching are the defining characteristics rather than family lineage or social status. It highlights the inclusive nature of Jesus' message, welcoming all who align themselves with God's purposes into the family of God. And that is Mark 3 in a snapshot.